1: With Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex and If I put out Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we can go to head, to head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton the point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode here on Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by the great one, Michael J. Focci. Focci, hope your day is going almost as good as Andrew Nimhart's was against the Golden State Warriors.
2: I mean, look, it's hard to compete against that because Nembhardt is... The talk of the town doesn't do it justice. He's, he's the talk of the NBA community right now because I've told you before, I always judge it by... When non-Pacer fans reach out to me and they have been raving about Andrew Nemhard and Alex, I can't blame him for what he did last night.
1: Oh man, I mean it's kind of a, it's kind of crazy to think, but he's had an incredible road trip so far in terms of statistics and, and and big numbers. I mean, just last Monday, we're going crazy because he had this huge game-winning shot over LeBron James, and then, shorthanded, plays 42 minutes against the Warriors. Now, now mind you, he just came back from injury last Monday against the Lakers. So, he'd been out with an injury. So, comes back, plays 42 minutes against the Warriors and has 31 points, 13 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 of 7 from 3 and held Steph Curry to 3 of 17 shooting. And you know why that's significant, Faji? Because 3 of 17, 317 is the area code of Indianapolis.
2: Oh, yes it is. I mean, the defensive part, that's probably the most impressive. Look, I I mean, Don't get me wrong. 31, 13, and 8 is fantastic. said only a couple of rookies have ever achieved that stat line. That's awesome. But holding Steph Curry to 3 of 17 shooting, you can make an argument. That might be the toughest job in the NBA. This Mm -hmm. is a guy who's a multiple-time MVP. He's a finals MVP. He's at a Hall of Famer. He's regarded as the greatest shooter to ever live. I mean, look, I love me some Reggie Miller, but, you know, Steph Curry is phenomenal. So what hmm. Nemhard did on both sides of the ball last night, it was unbelievable. And Alex, I'm going to be honest. I sold this Pacers team short. They were down, I believe, six bodies. You're talking about no Halberd, no McConnell, no Miles Turner, no Chris Duarte, no James Johnson, no Daniel Tice. No problem. They snapped the Warriors 10-game home winning streak. The defending champs, however you want to sum it up, that was an impressive win.
1: Yeah, it really was, and I and I will say this: when I saw who was out, it did remind me of last year's game when Karis Levert, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, Demontis Sabonis, T.J. Warren, and T.J. McConnell were all out for that game. So it was very similar. Six key players are out. You, you look at the the roster, and you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, uh, Matherin got his first start. Like that's a storyline that we thought we might start with when the game started." And honestly, you know, Nimhardt just kind of stole the show, but. They needed him to. I felt like this game was one that we probably all penciled in as a loss once we saw everybody that was going to be out. But we we didn't take into account how tough this team plays and, and how well coached they are. And I think that's where it all comes down to. Like, Rick Carlisle loves these kind of, you know, challenges, these, these uphill battles, so to say, and, and trying to get the best out of his young core. And quite frankly, uh, if you look at the five starters, Aside from Aaron Smith they all played pretty well, and I thought we got terrific minutes last night from O'Shea Fachi uh coming off the bench playing 32 minutes, clearly the sixth man for this team last night in terms of how much he played and how much he meant to this team. Um, but but even though it was a quiet night for Buddy Heald, I felt like it was Buddy who kept the Pacers afloat in the fourth quarter hitting some big threes to keep the Warriors from getting that lead uh, bigger when they had taken the lead by like a point or two and, you know, Nimhart finished it off, but I just felt like the veteran leadership of Buddy healed, stepping up and knocking down threes, even when he didn't have a great shooting night, in a key moment, really was significant for this team.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, with that starting lineup last night, Buddy was clear and beyond the veteran right over there. And it showed. But there's a couple things over here. One, O'Shea Brissett, who you definitely got to tip your hat off. I know he scored more on the season believe against Orlando. He had 18 points. This might have been his most meaningful performance though last night that he hits that big buzzer beating you know three right before right to end the first half thought that was awesome Mm -hmm. but this is not how I wanted to talk about Benedict Matherin's first career start we made it this far into the pod and now it was like the Pacers had their back against the wall where it felt like they had to start Matherin I thought that would be at home thought it would have packed a little bit bigger of a punch but at this point you know they needed Matherin in that starting lineup with the amount of bodies that, that they were without and it was a forgettable performance for Matherin 14 points on four of 16 shooting. here's the thing that impressed not impressed me but stood out the most. Alex, three of his four makes happened in the first quarter last night mm-hmm. so it was it was unfortunate. it was cool to see him get that first start. But, man, it just felt like we had to smash the emergency glass and put him in there because it was either O'Shea or or I don't know how they were going to go about that that fifth starting role.
1: Well, I think part of the reason they went with this lineup is just based on how the Golden State Warriors starting lineup was constructed. Um, They're faster. They have more guards, really, than anything. I mean, Draymond, that's someone that you don't really worry about offensively. Like, you let him shoot. You know he's going to be a facilitator and and try to get guys open and stuff like that, but you're not really worried about him. The Pacers did a good job double-teaming Steph and Jordan Poole, not really letting them get comfortable at all. I thought Jalen Smith had some great moments in the first half. He really set the tone with his play, shooting the ball well from outside once again. Look, Matherin, 4-16, 25% from the field. Did not play great in terms of an efficiency standpoint, but he was still a plus 9 because he was out there when the game mattered the most, had some good possessions. Oh, of six from three, not great, but he was six of eight from the free throw line. So, yes, he did have three baskets to start off the first quarter, right? But he was getting to the free throw line, you know, not uh, eff- effectively, I guess you could say, but like he still led the team, I think, in free throw attempts. Yeah. He did. So,
2: eight of our 18 free throw attempts. Yeah. So, I mean, he almost had half, half
1: of them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, look, Matherin and Buddy Heald, we talked about it. Their fit together is probably not great. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about Matherin's shooting performances on Twitter, just like he's not getting the foul calls that he once was getting early on in the season. Part of it's being on the road, too. You just don't get those calls as often as you probably do at home. The hot shooting, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with fatigue with his legs, uh, playing a lot of minutes, and, and you know, not not being used to playing as frequently as he is right now in the NBA. He's going to get adjusted to that. That's something that we're very well aware of. But I also feel like all of his shot attempts, Fauci – are you know pull up jumpers when he's trying to isolate from three or a catch and shoot? It's it's and it's more like uh not running any action for him. I would prefer if they would run some more actions for him, like you see them run with Buddy, try to get him free just to get him a clean look in rhythm in motion and see how he does coming off of a pick and, and catching and shooting that way instead of a standstill catch and shoot because we see him a lot of times buried in the corner, not really involved in the action. And I think wild teams might be shifting their focus to him defensively, I still want to see him constantly used in a different role instead of just a standstill player. Because for me personally, I think there's more ways to utilize him than how they happen.
2: There absolutely has. I look forward to utilizing him in, in far different ways. I mean, we're still, he's roughly about 25% of the way into you know his rookie season. So he's got a lot to grow. And what we've seen so far has already been you know far more than we could ever imagine. When you talk about fatigue, listen to this. This is, the Pacers are about to conclude when they play Minnesota on Wednesday, when you're listening to this, a seven-game road trip in 12 days. It's the team's longest in 37 years. So this is a lot right now. There's a lot going on. Um, This road trip, we knew it would kind of define, you know, this early stretch of where you really get to learn who the Pacers are. And I don't think that we, I think this win kind of muddied it a little bit. I think if the Pacers had lost this game, we would have said, okay, I think we can see that. They're nowhere near, you know, where we need them to be against playoff teams. But they've had a couple of surprising wins. So yeah. I, I think that this drought, uh, this this, this seven-game road trip, it's going to be good to get back home. As you always love to say, get back in your bed. You know, those small things true, where you're though. familiar. I, it is. It is. Look, after a while when I'm at my in-law's place, I just want to go back to my home. I want to sleep in my bed. It's yeah. a thing where you get comfortable. You know, you, you're in your routine. But – Uh, One thing that you talked about, Jalen Smith being more comfortable at the five, okay? It was very evident last night. 15 points, nine boards, six of eight shooting. Look, I get it. Three blocks. Three blocks, yep. Right over there, two of three from three. Just an overall real good performance from Jalen Smith. Does it all in 28 minutes. Uh, I know it's hard to eat when you have another center right alongside you, but I was taking a look at a couple games. I mean, Washington Wizards, first game of the season. No Miles Turner, he had 16 and 8. All right? Then against the Pistons, another game No Turner, 19 points, 15 boards, you get three blocks. You can make an argument that might have been one of his best games. Uh against Philly, before he kind of disappeared in the second half, 17 and 10. I mean, he's flourished far more at the five than he has at the four to your exact point where it's evident right now. But also another thing is the Pacers cap this off how crazy is this? Five and zero on the second game of a back to back. It's unheard really Weird. It's really weird, but I'll take it. That was one thing that really caught my eye. And uh, overall, Alex, I would just say one of the major keys to yesterday getting off to a hot start. We know the Pacers are the worst first quarter team. What they do last night, they went up ten to two outscored the Warriors by 13 points in the first quarter. I know they couldn't really keep that lead the whole time, but it was enough where they were able to weather the storm when Golden State got close.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. We won by, what, eight points? So that 13-point start kind of helped them maintain that lead. And, you know, Golden State kept coming back, Fachi, and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, they're eventually going to, like, just put the clamps on. We know how it can be out there in San Francisco. Golden State's got a great fan base they're very passionate very loud uh still not the same and i think it's the chase center now not oracle so yeah. you know it's not the like same that. as oracle but yeah. oracle it, it it was so raucous in there you can never you know you could hardly hear your tv in the broadcast because those fans would be so loud but you know clay thompson had me a little bit nervous there he started he going off last night points Yeah, he was fantastic. Eight of 16 from three, Fauci. I mean, and the only other make he had was a two-pointer. He had nine of his makes were eight threes. So that was impressive. You know, Steph, two of 10 from three, just terrible. Uh, Draymond didn't really have a great game either, one of eight from the field. This team, they looked like they missed Andrew Wiggins a lot. And, you know, we were going to come – we talked about trying to figure out if we could record a podcast after the two weekend games maybe against Portland – and, and Utah before we played Golden State on Monday. And we talked about it before we came on to record this one. We're kind of glad that we don't have to talk about those two losses too much in depth because it was looking really ugly. And, you know, even with Halliburton out there against the Jazz, this Pacer team just has not played well on this road trip. Um, and honestly, this has been the best game of the road trip. Even the Lakers game, it was not great until that fourth quarter when they made the great comeback and had the awesome win. But, you know, this was a game where I felt like you just saw a collective group like – Even Kendall Brown playing 18 minutes in this game, Focci, he did not force at all, and I really felt like he did a good job defending that he got uh, beat a couple times off the dribble, which which is expected, but I really enjoyed the growth from him, and I thought Isaiah Jackson, Focci, some of those lob passes that he was catching from Nimhard in traffic, just nobody else puts the ball there better. I'm sorry, this this might be a hot take. I put it on Twitter last night, but I think Nimhard's a better lob pass threat uh, Mm. or a lob threat. Throw, however you say it, I don't know how to talk about that, but basically, he's better at throwing lobs. There you go. To Isaiah Jackson than Tyrese Halliburton is because they have that, you know, connect, they have that connection already. And then on top of that, I think he blocked at least two that I can remember three point shots when he was defending on the perimeter. When you have a guy that can block shots like that, that is super impressive.
2: It really is. I mean, Isaiah Jackson was a plus 14, second best on the team behind only Andrew Nemhart. I mean, <laughs> think about it. Uh, Isaiah Jackson last night, I mean, it was one of the, the flushes that he had on Alley from Nemhard with about a, a couple minutes left, maybe four, four minutes left or so. That was just like, oh, my God. It was a thing of beauty. But I thought, you know, the Pacers did a really good job of staying with Golden State across the board. I mean, look. Pacers shot about 39% from three, which which was huge. But they matched Golden State's rebounds, matched their free throw attempts. I mean, they were they were with them going toe-to-toe for a while. That, you know, toe-to-toe across the board, which was just awesome to see because this was a majorly depleted Pacers team. they so about nine players log minutes, Trevlin Queen only getting about seven. So you're really playing about eight players. And that, man, I mean, at times – it was uh you know it was kind of tough because Kendall Brown that you mentioned over here oh he was making an appearance in the first quarter. I mean we saw Kendall Brown early on which I was I was not expecting but you know what great experience 18 minutes for him. I mean overall the Pacers did what they had to do on a night where people really didn't expect them to get it done and I don't know why we've had Golden State's number last few years of all teams to have their number I mean it's cool to be beating the defending champs year after year doesn't make much sense but you know very curious to see you know how the Pacers respond from this because lately you know they have been a little bit up and down you win a big one you come out a little bit flat and then and vice versa so I'm curious to see what they do against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting game because they already lost to Minnesota, and it was a yep. pretty competitive game. It was. But now we know that Carl Towns will not be playing in this game yes. with, with the uh, the injury. We talked about this briefly on the last podcast, but that was almost a week ago. So, you know, no no Carl Towns. I, I, I'm curious to see how Anthony Edwards plays in this game. One thing for sure that I think we can kind of look back and see where the Pacers have kind of struggled, Fauci. Is games where there's been more of a a down low presence from the opposing team. And, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head here with some of our losses, but like Yaka Pertle was the first one of our first losses. Chris Tops Porzingis, uh, he's not like a major low post guy, but someone that can hurt you down low. We were thought Miles was just the first game of the season. I don't really like overthink that one, obviously, but that was a game that we struggled with. Um, and then you look at the Nuggets, Jokic, you go and look at the Sixers. We lost them, Joel Embiid. You know, you just start looking at all the teams that we've lost to. And it's a certain style. This having a, a, a low post presence has been kind of a problem for the Pacers. I thought Nurkic did a really good job against us. I thought, uh, you know, Larry marketing played a really good game
2: against us the other night. on I mean, uh, Gobert and Towns, I yeah. mean, think about it right now. Gobert 21 and 16 against yeah. us. Ta- yeah, Towns Zubach. Had, <laughs> right. Z- Zubach was historic against yeah. us. I mean, people were physically chanting for a 30 and 30 game out of him. I mean, that's just crazy. So we've got oh, yeah. eaten alive down low. And, and I do think that it helps to not have Towns out there, by the way, kind of weirds me out hearing him called Carl Towns, you know, instead of Carl Anthony Towns. But, uh, you know, at this point, the Pacers could, they could really, uh, I don't want to say they could use a break, because we've actually played a lot of teams without kind of some of their star players, but I I hope that this time around is a little bit different without Towns, and you obviously hope and expect that Halliburton will be back in this game.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Do you think they uh, let him sit another one?
2: I mean, they had initially said, from, from what I at least read, that it was supposed to be two games. Um, And then I, I believe McConnell could be coming back, but nothing's been reported yet. I don't expect anything to be reported until probably tomorrow. But, you know, it would be nice to have Turner and Halliburton come back, but Turner with a hamstring injury, what do you do there? Because if you don't have Turner in a game where you were already getting crushed in the post, you know, it, it it makes it that much tougher. So, do you think they rest Turner for an extended period of time, at least maybe you know until Friday?
1: You have to be careful with Turner because you know he's a trade asset. Yes. You know that he, he's got injury problems from before. Um, it seemed like he was questionable to play in Golden State, and then they scratched him kind of late. So, doesn't seem like it's a severe injury. But with Miles, I, I always a little, I'm always a little hesitant in terms of like. Putting him back out there to reaggravate it, so I would probably let him rest another game and just maybe see if he'd be ready for that back to back when we play Washington and Brooklyn. I think it is uh, crazy we're already playing them like again. It seems like we've been playing them a ton already this season. But that's uh, that's what I would do with Halliburton. I would be cautious as well. I mean, you got to think about it. The fact that they're going to be above five hundred after the road trip, you know, it's not been great. But we said all they have to do is win two out of seven to be above five hundred. Um, you obviously would much rather be three and four then two and five on the road trip. And you know, you played these guys a lot of minutes in the last game and they're young, but they're going to be tired as well. So I would just err on the side of caution. It's early in the season. Still, you don't want anybody hurt. And I think that's what they've been doing. That's what they probably did for the Warriors game as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think you've got enough, enough depth with guys that are healthy, like Terry Taylor and Goga to They didn't play. In that game against the Warriors, obviously, was because, well, I think more so it's because of the size in terms of you know how Golden State plays. But if you go up against Minnesota, if Miles doesn't play, you still have Isaiah, Jalen, Goga, and if you need to smash the emergency glass, you can play Terry Taylor at that five if you get in foul trouble. So I would I would lean more towards that. But you know, this is a game that I think they feel like they can win before they come back home, but it's going to be a tough one.
2: It's definitely going to be a tough one. I, I don't like how that Minnesota game, you know, went at, at times. I feel like the Pacers kept getting to, you know, try and cut it within, you know, I don't know, they made it close at times, but could never really pull away on uh, that game. This would be a good a good time to see what adjustments they make the second time around since True. they really only played Minnesota, you know, what, about two weeks ago maybe? Yeah. So, you know, it hasn't been terribly long. So I'm curious to see. And, and that was a game that, you know, Jalen Smith kind of, there's nowhere to be found. Smith and me, both of them, looking at it right now. Combined for five points in the game on two of fifteen. Tyrese had
1: a bad game too, I believe.
2: Yes, I mean overall, it, it was just rough. Halbert was four of fifteen in that game, so I felt like th- this was this was tough. But the Pacers ended up, you know, kind of bouncing back a bit after this game. This was when they were coming on. Uh, I think that was when they were coming off of a five-game winning streak. So, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then, this team gets humbled. But overall, man, I mean,
0: I know.
2: You talked about Buddy making some big shots, but lately I I crunched some of the numbers, and since the beginning of November, it ain't pretty. Alex, he's been Uh,
1: struggling, but I just wanted to give him some praise in that game because absolutely, he—I felt like he deserved it because that's what we were talking about against the Kings. Like you needed a veteran to step up, yeah, right. And I felt like Buddy did that last night. He was kind of the the sole veteran if we look at the roster, right? So that he did what he was supposed to do with a young team and. Did I don't feel like he overstepped his boundaries either? Like, he let Nimhart cook,
2: yeah. It wasn't cooked.
1: like he was dominating the ball, but he did because they had to give Nimhardt some rest, and that's when Buddy had some of those shots. But anyway, tell me the bad news about Buddy's recent play.
2: I love how it's like they had to give Nimhart some rest, dude. Logged 40 minutes, you know, it's like they had, they had to, to give him his... eight minutes, Exa- whatever, exactly. No, but look, since the start of November. Buddy's shooting just under 38% from the field and just under 34% from three. And you know, Buddy, there's going to be volume behind it. 14.6 shots per game during that span and about nine threes per game. So the man was the talk of the town early on when he was lighting the NBA on fire. I know that he's, you know, shooters can be streaky at times. He'll rebound. And when I say rebound, I mean, you know, get back on a shooting touch. Uh, Not a bad rebounder, but... Um, it just feels like for right now it, it's been a little bit rough, but at the same point, the guy just wants to win. He's a good teammate, it's not like he's shooting bad shots that they're just not going in right now,
1: yeah. And and that's part of the, the long 82 game season, right? You know, he had a stretch where he was shooting like 50% from three, exactly. So, so water's gonna find its level, yep, when it comes to Buddy, and I think that's the case for Matherin right now, too. Matherin was shooting an ungodly amount at the beginning of the season. I mean, every time he touched the ball, I thought the shot was going in. Now I'm kind of nervous when he shoots. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of his shots look short. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. saying he's probably looking tired, in my opinion, just tired legs. He doesn't look like as energetic or spry as he did at the beginning of the season. And it's just the totality of the season takes a toll on your body. And I'm just like, they're trying to find ways to, I think, grow Mather and to be more than just a score as well. Um, we know that he's always going to be looking for a shot, but there's been some times where I've seen some nice plays from him recently on the road trip where he's made some nice passes. I think yeah. the game against Utah, they were playing a zone against us. Mather got in the middle of the zone and found Miles on a Resist really nice play. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, we're starting to see different wrinkles to his game because, like, right now, a lot of people have him as a favorite of the rookie of the year. And, you know, I'm curious to see how it all pans out over the next four to five years when we really start getting into the deep dives of like who's the best from this draft class. But like one thing I loved about Paulo coming into this uh coming into the draft Achi was his versatility. He's a he's yes. a playmaker. He can play inside out. He can kind of do a bunch of different things, but um he can get others involved. He's not one dimensional. And right now um uh, I, I think you would have to say that Matherin is more of just a, a score first kind of guy. Uh he yeah, gets Gets his own. He's not really like an effective rebounder. It's sporadic when he has good rebounding numbers, never puts up high assist numbers. So he's looking for his own, and that's okay. That's how they've kind of designed the second unit to run is for him to get, you know, isolation opportunities, get to the free throw line, be that downhill scorer that they need. But, you know, I think if he is going to grow as a player and and become better, they're going to have to slowly start working in wrinkles where he can do different things and and read defenses differently differently you know maybe and he's already starting to do this i think you know maybe not forcing a three cuz i don't feel like all of his shots are forced some of them are but there's times where they're not forced and he just misses it but mm-hmm. uh, there's also been times where he's not trying to force either and allows the offense to kind of run and operate where he's not always involved so to me i think he's slowly but surely starting to play a different style to a certain degree not not like drastically but i i want to start seeing them allow him to, to make mistakes and, you know, maybe rack up more turnovers by letting him kind of be more of like a pick and roll kind of guy instead of just a guy always trying to go downhill. But th- that's a long-winded way of talking about how and struggled shooting. Sorry about that.
2: Yeah, no, hey, no worries at all. I mean, the last couple of games, it, it has been rough from the field shooting-wise. This is what happens when you're a rookie. You're, you go through these ups and downs. And in terms of the last four games, he's missed all 13 of his three-point attempts. In the last four games. And then you're looking at games like four of 16 against Golden State, five of 15 against Portland, three of 10 against Utah, and six of, six of 17 against Sacramento. So overall, I mean, that's about shooting 32% over his last four games. I don't care because this is this is our future right here. This is Benedict Matherin. We have to be able to let him live through these mistakes. Instead of in the past where a rookie could get yanked, like, for instance, I know there are two totally different worlds, but, like, if Aaron Holiday struggled, that was it, man. You might not see him for two weeks under Nate McMillan. So, Mm -hmm. it just feels like I'm glad that Matherin never, you know, even if he has a rough night, it's not like, oh, wow, he only played 15 minutes now. Like, uh-oh, I guess he's in the doghouse. No, so I'm glad that none of that's happening right now. So, it it just feels like, hey, let him figure it out. Everything's going to be all right. But I got to ask you this. Okay. Did it hurt you at all seeing Moses Moody log into the game last <laughs> night against us?
1: Honestly, not really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Was it because uh... he didn't? Because he went scoreless, it didn't do much. But hey, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. But I know that it'll uh... always be in the back of your head what could have been.
1: Well, you know, I just I, the only thing I thought about is how much different would his career look if he would be in Indiana instead of Golden State.
2: Very different right now.
1: You know, it's kind of similar to Aaron Nismith and being drafted to a team that doesn't really need you to play uh, because they've already got players at the position. But when they do need you to play, there's no chance. There's no room for error. You kind of have to be really good because so much attention and pressure and eyes are on the Golden State Warriors at all times. And so, you know, I was watching him playing. You know, they gave – he. I don't even think he's been playing consistently, if I'm not mistaken. I was listening uh, to Steve Kerr's post-game press conference today and they were asking about, you know, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, because if you remember, Kaminga didn't check in until the second quarter and he came in for Moses Moody. I don't think Moody saw the floor the rest of the night. Um, they were really doing a good job of putting Kaminga on Andrew Nimhard, trying to slow him down by putting a bigger defender on him. But, you know, no offense to Kaminga, but right now he's not a Jaden McDaniels. He's not going to be that effective of a defender on a, on a point guard like that just because. Uh, he's still an experience from McDaniels has a little bit more experience with that in in just terms of like overall games played and playoff time and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I love Moses Moody, Fachi, you know, that I'm rooting for the kid like crazy. Uh, It's one of those things where we we had fun joking about it last year. And, and honestly, I was just hoping Benedict Matherin would reach double digits again (laughs) for points scored, just because I want to see him continue to do well. I want to see him get accolades at the end of the season for rookie of the year. So anytime, even if he's struggling shooting-wise, I just want to see him get the points that he needs to kind of keep of that course. average up, as selfish as that sounds. But, you know, the Pacers, they, they've they got Chris Duarte. He's still hurt. Uh, maybe he comes back this weekend or next week. And, I was going to we'll ask you what, that. Yeah, I mean.
2: It's, it's, it's just over a month now. They they yeah. gave him a four- to six-week timeline. It were just over four weeks. Carla had said about a week ago, Odds are he probably won't return during the the West Coast road trip, which Mm -hmm. is about to end. Do we see him this weekend? Feels like we would have heard something, some sort of update if that was the case. So I'm not sure if it's going to be this weekend, but I get the feeling it'll be soon. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking maybe next week, but I I also don't think the Pacers are in a total rush to be like, man, we got to get him out there now.
1: No, I mean, honestly, him being out of the rotation has made the rotation simpler, in my opinion. Um, it's only going to get more complicated now with, with the way Nembhardt's playing because they've been playing him off ball with Tyrese in the starting lineup, but I mean, he just can do so many more important things than TJ McConnell can as your backup point guard. And so, uh, we're going to be doing a mailbag podcast for tomorrow, and and this is where it's going to get really interesting when we talk about these two. I know we're going to have that coming up, but don't want to spoil it, but man, I just don't know how you don't give him the opportunity now to run offenses after what you've seen the last couple of games with Tyrese out. Like I understand McConnell is a really important piece in terms of locker room chemistry and stuff like that, but um, he can't really play off ball. That's not his game, and if you take the ball out of McConnell's hands, then he's just kind of useless out there minute-wise. So uh, in terms of offensive standpoint, now defensively he can still do things in terms of mucking it up, but – yeah, A- Andrew Nimhardt, I mean, I, we probably didn't talk enough about his game, Fachi, to be honest with you. I don't think you. we did. It's
2: crazy. The man was so good. I I did. I don't think we even gave him his full justice. That's how good he was last night. I want to <laughs> say this. Look, I find it comical, and I want to know if Rick continues to change his stance as the year goes on. With each week that goes on, Rick bumps him up in this past <laughs> draft. And He's like, we got two lottery picks over here on, on this team. And then yesterday, it's like... When it's all said and done, we might have two top ten talents in this draft. And I want to know if it ever crawls into that. We got two top five picks in the 2022 draft. So that's how much he loves Nemhard. And we can't blame him because I think everyone's fallen in love with, with Nemhard and just how like likable he is and, and just how much he fits this team. It's just as a as a second round pick, you just don't see this.
1: No, I mean we we saw with Jalen Brunson a little bit, probably not this soon, right? And you know, there's all, there's always good second round talent out there in the league. It, it's just it happens all the time. You just don't know when you're going to be the lucky team to get it, right? So, I I tell you what, in that game last night, you saw the experience in college from Andrew Nimhard compared to a guy like Matherin. Also, their games are completely different. Nimhard is poised. Um, He's got a better handle. He sees the floor better in terms of being a facilitator. He has such a soft touch on his passes and his shot. Uh, there was a video, I'm sure you saw it on their on the social media page of the Pacers where they talked to Nimhard after the game, and he was walking back and he said, When I when I hit the step back, I knew it was over. He said something along those lines. And his step back was on fire last night. So mm-hmm. most of the time when we see Nimhardt, his shot is a little bit funky looking, right? So I just felt like last night, every time he had the ball in his hand, something good was going to happen, and you kind of noticed it too. Like when Treble and Queen came in and played some backup point guard for like six, seven minutes for him, just to give him some, uh, give him a chance to catch his breath. Uh, you know, Queen didn't do like awful, but he wasn't good in my opinion. No. You could tell that he was a little bit nervous and a little bit in over his head in terms of trying to be the the primary ball handler. They put a lot of pressure on him too to kind of force him uh you know to, to make mistakes but I just felt like they didn't really have that effect on Nimhard whatsoever. Uh, you know, and you have to give him props because he played like he was a five year, six year pro that has been playing in the NBA for years. So that is why I love Nimhard. Uh I'm sorry I owe him an apology for my overreaction Everybody at the draft. Does. But at the same time, you know what? Who cares if we're wrong? and our opinions on draft night. All I know is he's kicking butt right now for the Pacers. And I couldn't be more ecstatic to think about him, Halliburton and Matherin as our part of our guard combination for the next eight to 10 years. I mean, we are in really good hands.
2: Exactly. Nemhard better be getting his way into every photo. Now, when they talk about the young core of this team, because he deserves to be there. And when you talk about, you know, some of the moves he was putting on, he was making Steph, he was making Dante DiVincenzo dance last night because <laughs> if he hesitated a little bit, they were taking steps back and and Nemar was just letting it pop from three. So he and if they switched bigs on him, he made them pay. I mean, Kevon Looney coming on him, it never stood a chance. It was just that Nemhard was that smooth with it last night that it it was just awesome. And he started earlier on attacking. I mean, Drew Nan won the first quarter. Just really felt like it was like, uh uh-oh, we're on to something right now. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I loved everything I saw last night and what he's doing right now. I mean, 31 points. You're talking about Matherman's already gone off for 30. Like, it's crazy because in years past, we never saw any production out of our rookies outside of, like, last year. It was just like you waited all season for like a TJ Leaf or a Cashew Stanley or, or a Goga to like even be able to get extended minutes in a blowout. Now we got guys outright leading us in scoring in games that really matter. So that, that's been the big difference is that, man, the front office has picked some winners lately. And that has been great to see. I can't wait to see Duarte get back out there because I feel like he's the forgotten one that was real good last year.
1: I mean, he was fantastic last year. Fox. I mean, we couldn't stop raving about Duarte. Mm-hmm. We were all excited about his future. And honestly, I mean, I still am. It, it's still, he's got plenty of future left in front of him. Plenty. It's just, he's been hurt. He was struggling early on and everybody's kind of like forgetting about him because Matherin is like the new shiny toy. And, and, you know, Nimhart is slowly, you know, coming up there. I think they dressed up Nimhardt as Buzz Lightyear at the rookie. They did singing along so it's kind of like you got your woody and matherin and your buzz and nimhard you know the dynamic duo right there for toy story and chris duarte feels like mr potato hedge you know part of the core but he's not the main piece right uh sorry for my toy story analogy probably really terrible there but uh yeah i mean just my last thing on nimhard and i tweeted this out last night and you know not everybody's on twitter so i'll just say it here i i honestly felt like nimhard was if not the best one of the best defensive players in last night's game as well as the best offensive player. I mean, the fact that he was doing what he was doing offensively, he was having to guard Steph Curry on the other side of the floor. I mean, oh chasing him around screens, you know, fighting through screens, switching on double teams, I mean, having to guard different guys and then, you know, being effective on the glass as well, Fac, I mean, you just I mean, you just can't teach this stuff. It's 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 something that comes from like just a player that has the will to get things done, discipline, poise. I mean, I I honestly can't say enough great things about what we saw last night from Nimhard. Like, it was light years better, no pun intended for the buzz comment, light years better than his comeback game-winning three over LeBron. Like, the moment might have been cooler, but for the longevity of what he did in that 42-minute game that he played – just unreal. I mean, what what a special, special performance from a rookie right there.
2: No, it really was. So I just feel like the Patriots, you know, the fan base has got to realize that, you know, just like I mentioned before, between Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte, Benedict Matherin, uh, Andrew Nemhard, you know, they nailed those picks. Kendall Brown, look, I'd love to throw you in that category. And you still need to see a little bit more. But overall, it's just that the youth movement is so real. In Indiana. And when you want to take a an actual look into the standings, Alex, we're fifth right now. You want to talk points per game. We're second in the east behind only the Boston Celtics. And That's this cool. team, this team has had Turner out for stretches. I mean, now you know Halburton's missed two games and Duarte's been out. It's just like we still haven't even seen this full roster play to their full capability, and we're already way ahead of expectations. You and I picked roughly, and we admit it. Hey, look, you talked about it before. We can admit when we're wrong. thought this Pacers team could have been cruising for the low 20s in wins. 21, 22, 23. Pacers are already at 13 wins. That's already more than half of what we predict on the whole season early on. It's been super impressive. It's been a blast. And, hey, every now and then, there's gonna be some of those games like against Utah against Portland if you want to get into those because hey I know we missed those and they didn't go our way but hey we gotta take the good we gotta take the bad
1: absolutely Fochi, and that's what's gonna be fun about this season I feel like even when we see games like we did in Utah and Portland and Sacramento you know when you start to realize okay maybe this team is in a bit of trouble and and, and they might not have all the pieces you're gonna have excellent performances like this. Um, we've already seen Mather and have two 30 point games. Duarte had a 30 point game. You know, Nim Hart got his 30 point game. You're going to start seeing where we have games like this, even if we end up being under 500. I don't even care what the record is Whatever. this season. You know, I just love seeing the development from this team and these young players growing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we want the best draft pick possible. But we also know sometimes the best draft pick isn't always the number one pick. Now, it's better odds, right? But you found yourself what Rick Carlisle would deem a top 10 player at pick 31. Benedict Matherin was pick number six. He's the favorite right now for rookie of the year, just one rookie of the month for the end of October and all of November. So the Pacers have two key players on their roster that were picked six and 31. They didn't have to have picks one through five to, to be in this position. So, you know, I think getting the first overall pick is a little bit overhyped to certain degrees, You know, Victor Wimanyama is a special talent. You always want the best talent on your team, no doubt about it. But it doesn't take away from what this team can still become, depending on how they develop and how they find the right pieces for this roster. But with that being said, we got a mailbag podcast that we got to record here for tomorrow. So, Fachi, let people know where they can find us on social media.
2: First, I do have one question for you. Hit me. Andrew Nemhard or Isaac Okora, who would you rather have?
1: Oh come on, really?
2: Exactly. And at this heart. point, it's a landslide. Every <laughs> last year, everybody wanted a coral a hey, fifth overall pick, untapped potential. At thirty-one, we got someone for cheaper that we are in love with that is thriving. Shout out to KP in the front office. You pulled off a great deal over there. But Alex, I'm ready to tell the people where they can find us because you can check us out on Twitter <laughs> at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. Alex, tell them where they can check us out
1: on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast for all of our content there. And I wanted to say this, shout out to the teams in the bottom half of that draft that passed on Andrew Nembhardt to let him slide to 31 so Rip Carlisle, Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, and the whole front office could get the guy they wanted and the guy that put on a show last night, Andrew Nembhardt. So with that being said, Fachi, if Andrew Nimhardt is the best second round pick from this year's draft, then say these three words. Let's go
2: Pacers! Setting
1: the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace number one podcast sweeping team. we gonna need a
0: mop
3: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in